In a world where three pudgy middle school history teachers discuss random aspects of history. Well, that's... that's all I got. No, Hatfield, we got you. Yeah, I, Wait, who you calling pudgy? Yeah, man, that's kind of rude. No, I'm rude. It's the History Bros Podcast. <laughs> Jason Hatfield attempted to regale us with stories of long-ago Japanese history. Brian Geldmacher stoked the fires of conspiracy by claiming that Lee Harvey Oswald acted with assistance, and Jason Rude made little to no sense whatsoever. Stay tuned to see if more Japanese history is in your future. Will the, th- the conspiracy ever be resolved? And will Jason Rude ever get a clue? It's all here on the History Bros. See, that was better than last time. Dear Lord. <laughs> I actually prepared this time. time. Or like... <laughs> right. No, we're not talking about that. Last we're, not talking about which, that. we're not talking about which, that. We're not talking about that. Which last time are we referring to? Oh, we can talk oh, about that later. We can talk oh, about okay. that later. But so, I just... So we're this not is, talking about the, <laughs> the last time that we didn't record. We're not this talking like, about that. So this is like right. Fight Club. Okay, I got it. No, we're going to talk about that right. later on. <laughs> But not now because we've already talked about that later on. Oh, right, right. We have to uh, we have to suspend our disbelief and and uh, act like it never happened. It, what do they call yeah, it? I still, I still can't believe he didn't hit record. Is it? That's, that's an, what. It, <laughs> is it called an anachronism? Is that what it's called? Anachronism? I don't know. Sure. Or uh, anarchy. Well, it was anarchy, is what it was. Hey, all I'm saying is I took the time to type that up and actually do that well and i just want you to acknowledge that yes he pretended to do something right he took a shot at himself instead of everybody else well well, good for you (laughs) i don't know good for you i have no idea what you're talking about now i i'm i'm completely lost did you write that the intro (laughs) what's that (laughs) did you write the intro yeah i wrote that look at you who's your big boy who's your big boy (laughs) Who's, who's a big boy? Who's a big boy? You're a big boy. Look at you being able to write and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I don't like you. So, anymore. for all of you listening at home, this is take two. Okay, so episode. we had an amazing discussion. Uh, and we were, I would say, probably three fourths or four fifths. <laughs> of the way through this incredible discussion when Rude informed us that he had forgot to hit record. <laughs> <laughs> and all I could think of was tenacious D, always hit record, always hit record, you know, oh, so. boy. Oh, um, so I yeah, still so, um, feel, I was, we were, so we actually are going to talk about that later after the break, if case uh, somebody who's old forgot, so but you know, that's, if you really want to get into quantum physics, we're actually after this segment, we're going to be playing something that we recorded yesterday. Mm. 
So <laughs> it's going to be referencing stuff that we did before then, but we're actually doing after. <laughs> That's the art of editing. Kaboosh. Mind blown. Good luck. Good luck, because I'm confused. So the answer is, no, Rude never did get a clue, as we found out the hard way. Uh, I'm going to predict that Hatfield's probably going to give us some more uh, hours worth of uh, uh, Japanese history. And and God only knows what conspiracy Geldmacher is going to bring us to this time. Oh, goodness gracious. But nonetheless... I, <laughs> since I have a, uh, a an opportunity to re redo this, I do actually want to revisit last week for just a short time before we go into our Thanksgiving Day special. And of course, it's not the same as the last Thanksgiving Day special because last time we talked about stuff that we're not going to talk about this time because this is the new and improved Thanksgiving Day special. Uh, Did you write this for, too? Or? No, I didn't. That was 100% okay. improv. Well, it's... I would believe this one to be written. But... <laughs> uh, so again, Rude still didn't get a clue. And here we go. Uh, I have a question for you guys. Sure. We have talked about a number of mysteries uh, and, and not even conspiracy, but mysteries, things that have never, ever been solved, ranging from D.B. Cooper to uh, Amelia Earhart um, to, uh, gosh, what else? Uh, who shot JFK for sure? Uh, did they act? Did, did Harvey, Lee Harvey Oswald act alone? Wow. Um, who? Who was that? <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald. Sorry. <laughs> Aswald. I think he's, uh, that's a, an 80s hair band. I think. <laughs> right. There you go. Or, you know, the other things that we haven't talked about in the podcast, but things like did Harry S. Truman, not Harry S. Truman, oh my God, <laughs> did FDR know that the Japanese were going to attack? Um, there's some there's some belief that right. uh, he allowed that to take place so that we could be uh, right. pulled into World War II. Yeah, there's there's some discussion about that. So here's my question that I have for you. Of all the different mysteries that are out there, and it looks like we lost our good friend Geldmacher for a little bit. He'll be back. We'll ask him when he gets back. Of all the mysteries that are out there, which one do you think would have the most impact, most world-changing impact? Which one would change the world the most? Of the ones you listed or just nope, in of, general? Of, of, any, of, of all the mysteries that are out there, things that we don't know, and it can be what I, I listed, it can be what somebody else listed, I don't care. Which one do you think would have the greatest impact on the, uh, on the current society? Aliens. Aliens. Kensington, Kensington Runestone. <laughs> so not, not the aliens. Or, or uh, alien Kensington Runestones. I'm choosing to ignore you. Yeah, I'm just gonna... <laughs> Who? Yeah, Hatfield's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I, I asked a serious question here, guys. Come on. If the Kensington uh, runestone was real, that would be, you know, that would be incredibly, like, earth-shattering. Well, we know that there was... We know that there were people here well before... Uh, like, Columbus and whatnot. We know that. Yeah, right. those I mean, are the Native how, Americans. What the... No, I mean like European um, Europeans. We know that. Like, why is the runestone 
the question would be, does it change anything other than bragging rights? Yes. What does it that change would, other than bragging would. rights? Because if you follow the uh, writings of George uh, Caitlin, you know, the um, the uh, you know, the grave robber, um, <laughs> he uh, was the one that, uh, you know, uh, noting that a lot of these uh, Mandan people um, had, I think, like blue hair or no, not blue hair, uh, blue eyes and possibly I think maybe like reddish hair or uh, fair complexions, then that would uh, mean that uh, you had people coming further inland than originally thought. Which I, I get, um, but what does that, that mean? The, the Russians what? or the Vikings, not sure, but, you know. But how, you know. Does that, how does that change current U.S. history? All it does is says, oh, somebody else was here first. Does that change policy going forward? Other than us Scandinavians. So are, are you looking at something that if it didn't happen, it changes like, uh, like. Uh, Potentially. I mean, are you talking about like Hitler not being born or are you, are you looking for something like legitimate? No, I'm saying like, like if we were, yeah, if we were able to. So, I mean, like, and maybe this is a deeper question than I thought it was, but I, you know, like if you have, uh, uh, there, there are things out there where if we knew the answer, it would ch literally change the decisions that are being made for an entire country, for an entire world, potentially, you know what I mean? It would, you know, um, if, if we know what happened to, uh, Amelia Earhart, it's not you know, like nothing changes. It's like, okay, cool. We know what happened now. If we find out what happened on the, uh, the top of, of Everest, we, we know who's first, uh, to the top of Everest, but it, it doesn't change anything else other than, uh, somebody's not getting as much recognition as they used to. But I think there's decisions out there, mysteries out there where if we were to discover it, it would potentially be able to change things potentially top of my top of my head i can't think of anything that would be earth shattering all right then that's fair i mean, I mean unless we uh, unless we sat there and did a deep dive i can't i mean I, and that's it fair. depends on what kind of events we talk about i mean if, if you're again if you're talking about the possibility like a, a, a currently known mystery that if we so it's a currently known mystery so it's not like hitler hitler not being born it's it's like um if we knew who, who founded the who founded the, the history of the Gloucester cheese rolling. <laughs> right. Like, like if yeah. we knew the true story of Atlantis or something like that. Yeah, there. There you go. I, I don't think that's world shattering, though. I mean, ultimately, in the grand scheme, I don't, I don't know if that's world shattering. And, a bunch of history nerds going crazy. Oh, sure. That but that's really not. Yeah. But what? Yeah, yeah. What moves the needle for the general public? I, yeah, uh, right. So then I don't let, know, man. So then let's do this. Let's throw it out to the people that hopefully are still listening. I realize, well, we're, we're good. We're not even 15 minutes into it yet, so we're still good. Because, um, of course, people that we saw dropped out after 15 minutes, we saw in other episodes. Um, let's throw it out to our people. Are there mysteries that would change the world if we knew the answer? Let's throw it out there. So feel free to hit us up on social media. It's exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly what we're saying. Um, and as we're waiting for them, I just want to say, <laughs> speaking of the Gloucester cheese rolling, 
Um, there is a series that's uh, on Netflix. We're doing this we again. Are the champions. Well, because we didn't record it the first time, Rude. <laughs> there are some happy accidents when that happens. Oh, what does that mean? <laughs> no, that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> so there's a series on Netflix called We Are the Champions, and it's a series of, um, you know, sm- like about half hour documentaries about various, uh, you know, contests um, around the world. And the very first one uh, talks about the gloss, uh, Gloucester uh, cheese rolling uh, on Cooper's Hill, which happens, I think, about once a year, I guess, where they take a seven to nine pound wheel of cheese and roll it down a very steep hill. It's about 200 yards long, roughly. And you have a bunch of people running down this hill and the first person to make it to the bottom and... I mean, injuries, no injuries, doesn't matter. As long as you get down to the bottom first, then you win. And um, it's it's fascinating. The first episode, we, my wife and I watched um, the first episode yesterday because we were aware of cheese rolling as a bizarre English sport. Oh, but, oh, oh um, Hatfield, this is what I would call a weird sport that I've done in the sports oh zone before. Boy. Oh I boy. did something on cheese rolling on the sports zone. I just want to point that out there. Okay, well, there you go. Okay, uh, anyway, the, continue. Uh, Keep going. I think I might have gotten this from the Northern Iowa Intelligencer. North I Iowa. I might have actually read the North, this. North Iowa. <laughs> it's not Northern. You got Keep changing the title. Whatever. The, uh, and, um, just, just to the right of center, uh, Iowa Times Picune. Right. I mean, this one. I think this story was just below the fold, but still, it was. Um, it was you know front page news. Page no. Um, but anyway, it's uh, it's 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 it was it's a fun little series. Uh, they, it's very tongue in cheek, but the cheese rolling. Uh, it's it's a fascinating. I don't know why. Um it's a sport at all or why it's a competition, but it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Give it a look. That's what I was bringing it up for. No, I appreciate that. As we are talking about uh, historical things and how they could potentially change uh, history, um, we were going to try and do a little experiment that I do in class every year about um, it's big project where the kids, do some research and determine whether or not the original Thanksgiving would have happened based on their opinion and based on their um, their understanding of the events and the people involved. Would they have behaved differently in history than what actually did happen? And of course, you know, I'm referencing, you know, the first Thanksgiving with the pilgrims and the Wampanoag people. Right. So, um, take two, we are, um, you know, going to discuss and see if you, if you guys were, um, you know, what you knew about the history of it and would you have behaved differently than Hmm. the pilgrims and Wampanoags? If you would have had this Thanksgiving feast or if you kind of feel like, nah maybe we shouldn't work together because of you know x y or z sure i am game for this just put me in coach i'm ready to play today 
Look at me. I can be the wow. history guy. Okay. All right. Um, oh, so, oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. Little I know. John um, so let's talk. Of course, you know, we have had discussions about Thanksgiving in the past. Let's do a little refresher course for those of you just joining us this year. Yes. Um, <laughs> what is uh, what, what do we know about Thanksgiving and about the people involved? We know that there are all kinds of things like turkey and uh, cranberry <clears throat> relish and <clears throat> mashed potatoes and gravy <clears throat> and pumpkin pie with whipped cream <clears throat> and tacos and <laughs> bratwurst. Many people don't know about how big of fans of Whippets the original Pilgrims were. Their, um, I mean, that was the thing. I mean, you never see any paintings of whipped cream on pumpkin pie, do you? No, exactly. From it's that true. time period, no, because they were doing Whippets. They didn't have yep. enough, yep. you know, juice right. to put the... Um, be cool with mm. that. So, so to be serious about this, what we do know is that more than likely, I'm, I'm totally being serious. No, I'm being, I'm being serious. Of, no, what I was saying before was not serious. I, I, I mean to be serious now. Um, you know, we know that that the uh, the pilgrims uh, more than likely would have uh, brought very little to the table as far as cuisine, and more than likely they would have been served based on the the native diet, which we know is going to be based largely on game at that time, more than likely is going to be venison, um, not not turkey, not wild turkey. There really weren't, wasn't a lot of wild turkey in that area. Uh, well, we, we didn't have a lot of distilleries at that point. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Sure, right. Uh, we also know that uh, there probably wasn't potatoes because those had not been introduced in that part of the country just yet. Uh, more than likely, there would have been yams. There would have been corn because corn or maize as we know it uh, would have been a very much a staple of the Native American uh, diet and more than likely there would have been a pretty good amount of fish was that accurate okay. um, well it was a coastal area that they were living in and sure. the Wampanoag were uh, did use a lot of um, bounty from the sea as it were um, of uh, like cohogs and um, you know, uh, things of that nature. They did bring deer, fresh killed deer to the first Thanksgiving. Aha. So the, the concept you. of um, turkey was not um, established at that point, um, nor wild turkey, though I think they did have mm. some very mm. nice Glencairn glasses. <laughs> um, but um, so anyway, so... So we know that the feast would have been different. Yes. But let's really let's but let's talk about the personalities and let's talk about the people involved. Okay. So what do we know about the Wampanoag people? What do we know about the pilgrims? And do we think that would you I mean, we know that in history it would work, but do you think that uh in, you know, would you have behaved differently? So we know that uh, in late 1620, uh, November specifically, uh, the pilgrims uh, came over and landed um, in an area of Massachusetts. Uh, the winter, obviously, in Massachusetts is very harsh. So half of the half of those who got off the boat didn't make it to the spring. Um, 
and then they cooperated with some locals who showed them farming techniques and best places to fish and whatnot so that they could be more self-sustaining. Um, you know, you can take pieces of that and tear it apart and you're probably correct, but that's kind of the gist of it. I would imagine. Right. Yeah. Okay. If we dig just a little bit deeper into see the pilgrims. Yeah. Super basic. Uh, that was a super basic. Yes. Go super ahead. Super basic. That's, you know, good, uh, fifth grade, yep. uh, French Indian war description. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yes. But they, um, but yes. Yeah, so if we dig a little bit deeper, the, uh, pilgrims, Kind of a judgy group of people. Oh, yeah. Slightly judgy. Um, slightly slightly judgy. judgy. They uh, felt like uh, that the Church of England um, was uh, kind of corrupt, kind of too flashy, too showy, and uh, a little bit judgy. And, you know, um, they decided to leave England to go someplace that they would feel like they could practice their religion without the corrupt you know, Church right. of England. So right. they go to right. Holland and then in Holland, they start thinking, wow, these people are very uh, flamboyant and they get very judgy about the people in Holland as well. You start seeing a pattern here. that Maybe <laughs> the issue isn't with everybody else. Right. right. Yes. So they come back to England and uh, they get into their two ships uh, the Speedwell and the Mayflower. Speedwell, obviously, ironically named um, because <laughs> it leaks profusely. It right. it is not seaworthy, so Which, they wind up it's going a back. Great name for a boat that's not seaworthy. Right, right. Um, they should the leak well would have been good. Um, uh, probably wide open in terms of bookings. <laughs> a lot of people getting that. Super um, reviews on uh right, on Yelp. <laughs> right. Right. And um so they go back and uh they turn around, they go back, and a lot of the pilgrims at that point are like, you know, this is probably a sign from Gad. <laughs> and uh instead we uh there's this cheese rolling event that we're interested in <laughs> that we just read about in this northern Iowa intelligence. <laughs> whatever whatever Iowa is. Right, whatever that is yet. It's very there's a lot of quantum stuff that's happening during this time. Just just so, go with us. Whoever's left, you know, gets on the Mayflower and it takes about sixty six days to come across the Atlantic. They were originally supposed to be heading for Virginia because they did have a grant uh, to go to Virginia, but a big storm blows them off course, and then they wind up in what is now modern day Massachusetts. They uh, sitting on the boat go well we need to come up with uh since our land charter is n not necessarily valid anymore we need to create a new system that we when we get off we sort of understand this is all how this is going to work and this becomes known as the mayflower compact which is also one of the big important documents in uh essentially the u.s history it's heralded sure. as like one of the big things of self-determination self-government that kind of stuff so they do. Um, they get on land. They find a village that is kind of a, a not necessarily abandoned, but um, a lot of death is there. And um, there are some writings where they kind of feel like this was God's way of clearing the path for them. 
So right off the bat, you know, well, when uh, we see can, can I stop you for the a Native second? American. Can I stop you? Yeah, go ahead. When you say there was a lot of death, uh, who was dying? I mean, are you are we talking about English? Not who we... was dying. They were pretty much dead already. Okay, so who, um, who is it that you weren't getting better? Who is it that you're referencing, though? Are we talking about white settlers? So the the village that they stumble across is known as, uh, if I'm correct, is known as Patuxet. Okay, and uh, it was a Wampanoag village. Wampanoag, if uh, also if I'm correct, not necessarily one tribe of people, but it's like a small confederation, right? And um, there were bones scattered about, fields were fallow, all this kind of stuff in this village. Um, there were structures that were there that were kind of falling into disrepair, and um, which is kind of a key issue for possibly why the Wampanoag would have also potentially wanted to work with them or not, depending so mm-hmm. it wasn't the um, the pilgrims that were a landing and all of a sudden dying. <laughs> no, that would come later. That would come no, later. <laughs> the um, the Wampanoag, um, you know, native the native peoples that are um, obviously having uh, perished. Um, mm. So they set up shop there. Uh, the Wampanoag, fully aware that they have uh, landed and kind of decide to watch them for a little bit as they slowly die over the course of the winter. Um, like many English people, they have no understanding of what it takes to really, you know, colonize North America. They kind of show up thinking, maybe we'll find gold and go to a grocery store and buy things there. No, so it's... Um, they show up and they start dying. And some of the Wampanoag are like, we should just go ahead and kill the rest of them. Let's mm-hmm. just go ahead and do that and just be done with it. <laughs> um, but the uh, leader of the Wampanoag people, Massasoit, he's like, okay, well, let's, let's kind of just relax for a little bit. And, you know, he, you know, prays and that kind of stuff and uh, counsels some patience on it. Um, and then um, now, in terms of the Wampanoag people, uh, the Wampanoag people did have a series of epidemics that hit them um, for a couple of years prior to the Pilgrims' arrival. Hmm. Um, uh, in some estimates, nine out of every ten Wampanoag died from oh, it. Oh, my goodness. Um oh. Some records say because some refuse to wear masks. <laughs> um, no, that's sorry. So, um, no, they um, there were. And the thing is, is that a, a lot of students and a lot of people in general typically think 1492 Columbus hits. And then the next summer, that's when the pilgrims arrive. Yeah, right. That's and not how 1492 works. to 1620. No, there's a considerable gap of time there. So you do have a fair amount of European exploration that has taken place. Um, the French, for example, had kind of looked at that area and said, there are way too many people to be here for us to even set up a colony. So, no, we're not going to do that. So when we think of this, like, you know, you know, untouched, you know, forests and, you know, this vast swaths of land that there are nobody there. It's not entirely true. There are, you know, 500 plus nations in North America at this particular point. So, um, 
so they had a series of epidemics that had come from other Europeans that had had some sort of contact with them. No really, no effort to really establish firm relations. No social um, but distancing. In some, do what? No social distancing. Right, but in some <laughs> cases they did kidnap Native yeah. Americans, which then also leads to the actual meeting between the pilgrims and the Wampanoags. Right. Um, which, does anyone want to kind of fill in the blanks on that one? Uh, I can. Um, okay. So uh, a couple years prior to 1620, um, there was, uh, and there had been uh, like fishing parties up and down the coast of of the east coast of north america at the time um and in one instance uh a gentleman by the name of thomas hunt uh he kidnapped a couple dozen people from patuxet uh which you mentioned is the site of what would become the plymouth colony um and attempted to sell them as slaves in europe and one of his abductees was a man named to Squantum uh, or Squanto, uh, who eventually would become the that ally of the Plymouth Colony and, and show them how to you know farm and fish. So when they finally do have that first meeting, they are able to actually communicate. Yeah, because is, yeah. one of the Wampanoags did understand some English customs and were able to uh, speak English. Right. So they have that meeting, <laughs> and so. Um, so one of the questions that I will typically ask my students, you know, based on the religious now, granted, the pilgrims um, were pretty strict, but right, they right, right. when the, but probably not as bad as the Puritans <laughs> who will come over in about the 1630s. So about a decade later, um, they will make the pilgrims kind of look like a bunch of like dope sucking hippies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> and the uh, a lot of things will wind up kind of going into play then. But we do know that the pilgrims kind of judgy, not wanting to be, you know, uh, not wanting to be led astray by whatever uh, things in terms of, you know, their their spiritual religious beliefs. So just based on that. Would they be willing in this particular case, because we know half of them are dying in the first winter uh, before the pilgrims and the Wampanoags meet, would that be enough of an incentive that they would be willing to take that risk and get help? Or are they considering these people to be, you know, godless savages or something along those lines? And, you know, no, heavens no, we're not going to, to, you know, have that take place. So, would the pilgrims, just from what we've talked about at this point, I mean, obviously the pilgrims did, but based on your understanding of the pilgrims, would you have behaved differently? And why or why not? Okay. Oh. So I thought about this between yesterday's non-existent taping that we were not referencing and today. <laughs> and... Jesus. Um, <laughs> I, I thought about something. Uh, so we're we are ten years after the starving times right. in Jamestown. Mm. So completely oh, different part of the country. The, but yeah, no, no, no I, I get it. Right to me, that is at least known in England 
when these guys decide to leave. So I think in the back of their mind, and I, I mean, this is pure conjecture, whatever. Um, I think they were faced with the option of, Hey, we either die or do terrible things to one another, or we seek help. And I think that's why they chose to seek help. I don't, I don't, I think, I think, um, and I really did I seriously give this some thought yesterday. Uh, Religion aside, strictness of of faith aside, godless heathens aside, it's seek seek help or perish. And if their if their intent was to ultimately spread the word or be able to practice their religion, they were going to need to seek help to live out the year. Hmm. So that's just my my two cents. Well, I see that that uh, Geldmacher jumped in before I could jump in. And oh. given what he just said, I, I'm <laughs> really kind of glad he did that now. Because <laughs> um, today in class, I was talking about the starving times and we got into the I, I showed the kids the pictures of the the skull from Jamestown today. Um, nice. and got into, you know, and that's the thing is like, there's a, a million things from James, Jamestown that are really cool, but the only thing they care about is the cannibalism. Um, right. But I mean, I think that's what a, else really do you need to know? I well, mean, well, exactly. It, it's, it's, it's the, the, what do you call it? The, uh, the compact, not the compact, but the, the, uh, the charter, the Jamestown charter, um, Pocahontas marrying John Smith and then, uh, <laughs> and then, then cannibalism, you know, and that, that's all you got to know. But I, I agree with you. And I, I never considered that as an option. There's no doubt in my mind that the, these new, ex, not explorers, but new colonists would, I mean, they can read, they're educated. Um, sure. And they certainly, certainly the access to that knowledge would be there even though it, they didn't have the internet. Um, gosh, that changes my thoughts on it. Well, it doesn't change my <laughs> thoughts. Like it doesn't change my thoughts. I think they, t- they take, I think they take the help regardless because they're going to be hungry, but that changes my thoughts in that, well, they know what happens if they don't. Whereas right. I, uh, my original thought was they're going to do it because if they're like me and um, for those that have seen me, I like to eat. Uh, <laughs> You can only go so long saying, yep, I'm good. I'm good. Before you have to say, you know what? I think I will accept that Snickers bar they're offering me. (laughs) (laughs) So while the Powhatan Indians are tinkering with nuclear energy, (laughs) Wampanoag are creating (laughs) delicious candy bars. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. Well, you know, just we want to be accurate here, and we don't want to be you know accurate. <laughs> God knows so, it wasn't Mars bars. <laughs> so, um, oh, God. Well, if it was in uh, if it was in Jamestown, they probably would have had a baby Ruth. That's what you'd think. Uh, Is that too much? Oh, 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 we can't do the the, the cannibalism <laughs> jokes again. Okay. No, we can. We can. That was funny. I like that. That, that was good. So what's this, veal? No. So anyway, so the... Um, <laughs> so bad. So bad. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. So, um, so we... Um, so, okay, so we, we think that um, 
that you know based on what we know okay then uh you guys would have behaved in the same manner let's talk about the uh the uh wampanoag sure okay why would the wampanoag think that hey we should work with these people who are dying at a probably a faster rate than we are and may actually well i guess they didn't understand the concept of uh microbes and disease at that particular point but you know you we already know squantum has been kidnapped by whites right these guys are dying so you know half of them are you know left what benefit would it be for the wampanoag to work with them Okay, I'm going first on this one. Yep. Here's the okay. thing. We we know obviously that there was some contact with uh, the with well, I'm going to say whites with colonists uh, between the uh, the uh, Wampanoag uh, between the <laughs> sorry between the Wampanoag and and the the English or or just colonists in general Europeans in general, um, and we know that the. Uh, there were, were people taken and then returned. Here's the thing, though, and this is what we we maybe don't understand. And again, this is something I, I think I said la- last time we recorded that nobody else heard. Um, <laughs> we're, we're making some assumptions based on our feelings on some of these topics. So we know inherently slavery to be bad. Um, at least that's what I think we know. Um so, I mean, when we hear this, we assume, we were kind of making this assumption that uh, a Native American at that time, a Wampanoag, is going to be very upset about somebody being uh, taken into slavery. But at the same time, I also happen to know just enough to be dangerous uh, that Native American cultures would enslave each other as well. Now it looked a little bit different. It wasn't this, this, you know, usually what would happen is they'd be captured and then they'd be brought in as part of their own tribe, you know? So if, Mm. if we captured somebody and declared them a slave, that's our, our word for it. Um, but in, in reality, it's more like, no, we've just added to the family, so to speak. Um, so the outrage of the slavery may not be as much as we thought. The question that I have and this is where I think the key comes in, is what is the value of trade to the Wampanoag? And to me, it always comes down to money. And, and if there's an economic benefit, and of course, uh, economics classes were a big deal back in, in pre, pre-colonial America, um, or, or early colonial America too. Um, but if there's an economic benefit that the, the Wampanoag tribe sees i think absolutely they say yeah we can get this if the, if we if they're around not to mention it's very possible they just say you know what people that are in need we we help they may have just flat out said that right yeah and i don't remember exactly what i'd said previously but i i think that uh, you're probably i know uh I th- I would tend to agree with you that overall I I would believe again conjecture that the natives were generally good people and uh, and maybe maybe not I don't know uh, just knowing the history and the like we talked about the uh, this plague that affected its residents you know maybe they were looking for 
help as well. And they saw it mutually beneficial to, um, you know, as a way for them to maybe get back on their feet, depending on what the these European settlers were bringing. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it was mutually beneficial. We don't know. Very okay. exactly. Yeah, precisely. You know, the um, well to kind of add a little bit more information um, with the Wampanoag being as decimated as they were, you did have other tribes, um, I believe, such as the Massachusetts Indians, who would uh, do raids and make attacks on and, them in their weakened state. And that was the other and thing. So, I was just going to bring that up. We don't know for sure what. At least I don't know for sure what the relationship between the yeah the Wampanoags were with other other tribes because um, yes. well with 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 many native groups you did have um, you know trade um, trade was uh, was an important uh, asset uh, uh, well uh, trade was an important facet of their um, you know relationships uh, mm-hmm. but you, you do have also in some cases uh, tributary systems where weaker uh tribes would pay tribute to stronger tribes in in exchange for you know safety and uh in some cases possibly protection so in this particular case um i would be able to understand why the wampanoag would probably seek their help even though they're sickly and outnumbered they do have technology and they are you know european which Mm -hmm. by this point they had to have known Europeans did have uh, technological advances and weapons of mass destruction to a degree. I mean, just right. could metal be. goods in, in general. And that as well. Um, so I feel like the Wampanoag would potentially uh, want to work with them. Um, based on that, um, what's, what's pretty fascinating, though, is of course in history they did work together. You right. know, we do know that. But mm-hmm. then you have the Puritans that will arrive, and the the son of Massasoit, who's the the chief of the uh, the Wampanoag, and the son of Edward Winslow, who was kind of like like almost the second in command of Plymouth, who becomes really good friends with Massasoit. Their sons will actually go to war with each other. Oh, fun. I mean, not fun. And, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And because, well, the Puritans come over and they completely change the game. They're like, okay, well, if you want to be, you know, if you want to communicate with us, if you want to be friendly with us, then you have to be more like us. Right. Mm. So you, um, otherwise, you're different from us and we don't feel safe and we may need to attack you. Right. Hmm. And, um, and of course, you know, the Puritans were, are known for being very flexible and very inclusive. <laughs> sure. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. All different types of uh, groups right. of people. Right, right, And yeah. they um, would, you know, uh, hammer spikes through the tongues of people who would, um, you know, uh, preach differently. Obviously, women could not preach at all. They ran Ann Hutchinson out of, you know, <laughs> right, um, right. that area. Um, and so... When that changes, then, you know, they wind up sort of not relying on, and I believe that there's an actual quote by, uh, you know, uh, Metacom, also known as King Philip, who was Massasoit's son. Um, when the Europeans in that area start to get self-sustaining 
and get a good, you know, root, you know, uh, grip in, in, in the area. They don't necessarily need the help from the Wampanoag people so much anymore. And so then they start pushing the Wampanoag around. And the Wampanoag start getting very upset by this. You know, they're, you know, people are invading their land. They're taking land from them. They're not, you know, compensating them for payment and all this kind of becoming very different. And if I'm correct, I want to double check this, but there's um, uh, Medicom is planning sort of a revolt against the pilgrims in the, the Massachusetts Bay Colony Mm. and um, people, uh, other Europeans in the area that are friends with him are saying you need to stop this because, I mean, the English are just too powerful for you, to which it is reported that then King Philip return, responds by saying, well, then they should treat us the way we treated them when we were too strong for the English. <laughs> you know, and yeah. No, and it's just it's you know it's it's something that's repeated throughout our history where Europeans kind of just you know they start becoming you know f- firmly planted and then it's like okay well you need to follow what we say and this was you know kind of a big deal for them of course then you have King Philip's War which is considered probably to be one of the first Native American conflicts that take place Right. Um, at, it, they do a lot of terrorizing of colony the, of colonist uh, towns. Uh, eventually, the tide turns. Uh, Philip will eventually be killed, and his head will be placed on a spike in the center of Plymouth for uh, what ten twenty years, something like that, for a while. And it's kind of like to think. That and kind of how I like wrap up the lesson with the kids is that here you have these two groups of people, should they work together or not? And of course, they decide to work together, and then the roles change after that wonderful time of Thanksgiving and working together and that kind of stuff to war with each other. And then the group that helped out the pilgrims winds up being the victims. Mm-hmm. And hmm. um, and uh, you know, knowing, looking back, would they have then behaved differently to the pilgrims at that particular point, but or the Puritans, I guess, in this particular case. Right. Hmm. But um, it's just interesting that the sons of the two people who really forged a partnership wind up going to war with each other. Well, it just, just you know, kind of a tragedy. It, it sure. is, and in some ways, it's like well. Yeah. Well, hindsight, obviously, being 2020, we can say, oh, I wish they would have figured it out. And, oh, it would have been great if, sure. you know, I mean, that's very Monday morning quarterback-ish. But, I mean, but, right. but how many times have we seen things like that where you've got, uh, you know, the, the established whatever it is, the established business with the father that, that runs it a certain way, everybody likes it, everything's peaceful, and then the, the father retires, the son comes in and changes everything, and is you know it, it's, it's not as good. And maybe that's only in the movies, but um, certainly I've... I, go ahead. It's, it's an interesting argument Thomas Paine puts forth in Common Sense. What's mm. that? Against monarchy. Sure. Oh, sure. Right. You know, it just, it, it's like, what have you done for me lately? And yeah, 
<laughs> I don't know. It, it's like the, the the person that's forgotten what got them to where they are. You know, um, all of a sudden they're big, big and powerful. Um, you know, whatever the situation is, whether it's a, a a teammate or a you know a business owner or whatever, uh, you forget what got you there. And at that point, you don't have to care what got you there if you've got the power. So I mean. Hmm. I so I, I guess here's my my assertion on this, or my summation, or whatever you want to call it. I'm using a big word so I can pretend like I got a clue because it's going to be a while. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, I think I absolutely think that the Wampanoag did the thi- the the thing that they needed to do for what the situation dictated for them at the time, and the same thing I feel the same way about. The colonists, uh, the, the the pilgrims, because what they for what they needed at the time, um, mm. for the pilgrims, obviously it works out pretty darn well. We know that because that's what we're talking about. How later groups, um, well, I mean they, they they still exist, and you can trace it back. Sure. And there's families who still say, "Yep, I'm descended from families that came over on the Mayflower." Mayflower, right? Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um. But for for the Wampanoag, we also know that did you know didn't work out. So I mean, we can say what I, what am I getting at? The point I'm trying to make here is that the, the <laughs> Wampanoag did not have the benefit of going into the future and saying, well, what's going to happen here? Now we could say, well, they should have been able to see it coming, um, but I don't know if they had the evidence to be able to see it coming. <laughs> And disagree with me, please. Tell me how stupid I am. I'm okay with that. No. I mean, like, I mean, it's, I think, again, knowing what we know about the Pilgrims and the Puritans, the the stronger the foothold that they got into the area, the more it, sh- it could have been televised. This was how it was probably going to go down. Right. Right. That's probably but, true. Um, but I mean, you know, and the <laughs> thing is, again, when like when we talked about with Columbus, you have to put yourself into the perspective of the time. Well, correct. Um, the the concept of well, they're not you know brainless, mindless savages. You know, they have civilization, they have that kind of stuff. That's not necessarily the mindset of the you know the settlers in the sixteen hundred seventeenth century. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, the fact that they did help, you know, you had people that did help them, but the people that go to war with each other were probably not old enough to remember that partnership needing to exist. Precisely. Precisely. Which is another reason why history is important. What? <laughs> uh, but, what? Um, but so you know so this is but um essentially you know uh this is kind of the project that we wind up doing in my class where we're like you know okay well let's do research on both of these and then you know let's determine if you would have behaved differently or not and a lot of times they do actually wind up behaving differently before they even know about how the puritans would uh change the game when they came over sure. well, well done sir so. Very well done. 
And yeah. let me see. I like these kind of discussions. You know, when it's we good kind stuff. of like, you know, kick around the what ifs, like, you know, do a hot, you know, what man in the high castle, like what would have happened yeah. if. Nice. Hey, nice. And good news. I recorded it. Woohoo! I, I certainly don't know what you're referring to. Yes, I I hit. <laughs> let's just say I hit the button. Well, good. I'm glad. Well, here we go. You know, I, I seem to remember some people saying, oh, that'll never be any good. And I think we did OK. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, this is uh, you're right. That was especially then that didn't since that didn't happen the first time. No, right. it, no, it didn't happen the first time. It happened in the conversations when we were trying to decide what the heck we're going to do. Never mind. Okay. Once again, Rude still doesn't have a clue. It does not matter. <laughs> that's that. That's really the, the the key thing here is: will Rude find a clue? He has not found a clue. Oh well. Huh. Why don't we quit while we're behind yep. and take a little break? Yep. And come back and uh, do uh, what we recorded yesterday. Perfect. <laughs> uh, this Week in History coming up right after this. Although, would this be This Week in History in the future? Dun, dun, dun. To break we go. I can see forever. And uh, welcome back, everybody. And indeed, I did hit the record button. I did not have an Amy Farrah Fowler moment <laughs> where I forgot to, uh, to hit the record button this time. That I did earlier. That would be a thing. That wouldn't be an issue at all. Oh, my Lord. When has that ever happened today? Oh, my God. <laughs> so what, what people don't know is that this whole first first segment that we just did is the second take because we got there. We had a great discussion going. Our, our first discussion was amazing. Despite it, the fact that no one except us will ever hear that. It was mm. I, I, seriously, it was a really good discussion. I was actually on topic and paying yeah. attention and <laughs> I didn't hit record the way I was supposed to. And so it didn't record. So sad trombone. Wah, 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 wah. Uh, yeah, if there was ever a time for the soundboard, oh, I yeah, uh, the one time that you need to have a soundboard up and you don't have a soundboard. <laughs> right, that's strike two against me. That's today. right. Jeez, that's that strike two against well, me. Well, yeah. You uh, said it, not me. I know. All right, guys, let's uh, let's move on here. Uh, this week in history is definitely up, and it's it's time for some this week in history. And I think I'm starting it. You are. Okay. November 26th, 1789. I got it right that time. George mm-hmm. Washington proclaims this a national Thanksgiving Day in honor of the new Constitution. This date was later used to set the date for Thanksgiving. And in 1863, the first national, official national Thanksgiving was celebrated. All right. There it is. Anybody want to claim fake news on that? <laughs> allegedly. I'm, I'm just gonna say allegedly. <laughs> okay. Well How dare fine. you disparage the name of our of our of our glorious first president, sir? No, oh, you mean the one know. that was the member of the Illuminati? <laughs> is that is that why they named Oh the, gosh, here we go. Is that why the yeah. Denver International Airport's named after him secretly? Well, you need that to understand that. That would make that, sense. That uh, if you take a look at the aerial view of Mount Vernon, it is in the shape mm. of a swastika. 
Is it? Wow. I never, I, well, see? I never realized that. They don't teach you that in the history books, do they? Nope. Yeah, Which is funny. This is, where you get, this is where you get the information that the teachers are too scared to tell you because they're trying to they're trying to push an agenda. Mainly because it's not true. But anyway, it's not true at all. It's so not true. If this is your first episode, please understand these are called throwbacks. So we are referencing other episodes when we talk about this. Oh, kind of boy. Oh, no. boy. Right. Which is the reason why you should listen to all the episodes. That's true. See? It's, you That's can't just hop in the middle of like Game of Thrones. You have to start at the beginning and work your way through. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> hey, which one is Thrones? Never mind. Oh, boy. It was a Big Bang Theory joke. It sucked. Okay. That's good for you. Well, it's, te- no, it's par for course for me is what it is. Well, you said it, not us. I will say, and I, I think I probably have some more <laughs> kids uh, listening. I, I played uh, a couple segments, a couple parts of the History Bros podcast uh, to my seventh graders, some of my seventh graders this week, and uh, they're all very giddy to start listening in uh, to the podcast. And to hope- which, when you uh, when you messaged us, I responded, "Why would you put them through that?" or something like that. Well, it was or my exposed. apologies to them or something. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it just <laughs> extra credit for the one who gets the the most. No, I'm kidding. I got to do extra credit, but um, yeah, you know, <laughs> kudos to the student that listens to the most episodes and had, can come up with the most well timed history bros references in class. Nice. Yeah. Nice. We're gonna go with that because you know it's fun. They found it quite entertaining to listen to Mr. Hatfield uh, squeal about a goat. Uh, mm-hmm. And they found it quite mm-hmm. entertaining to listen to... Uh, I don't know if squealing about a goat is... No, there was squealing. A, that's really... Well, the go- I guess the goat was squealing. You were having a hard time catching your breath. Because <laughs> you were laughing okay. so hard. And it was hilarious. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I guess. I, I need to, Perfect. to listen Perfect. to that one again. Oh, it's I've listened to that one multiple times. And that is, aside from you calling Bob Fenske's newspaper the Northampton Intelligencer, his favorite episode. <laughs> Again, more throwbacks to previous episodes that if you haven't listened to, you need to go back and listen to because it's pretty funny. All right. Uh, Brian, I think you're up. Yep. Uh, November 23rd, 1921, President Warren Harding signs the Willis-Campbell Act, better known as the Anti-Beer Bill. I knew it in like President Harding. Uh, <laughs> it forbids doctors to prescribe beer or liquor for medicinal purposes. My commentary, who does this guy think he is? That's all <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Harding. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> thanks warren this is, this is this is exactly what government overreach is about <laughs> i mean if, yeah. if gilmacher wants to drink his horrible beer then you know that's that's fine that's absolutely that's his that's on him that's on him that's right that's 100 percent correct so is yes. Gil- that, should be, that should be a decision between me and my doctor <laughs> You and your doctor. <laughs> I, I have to ask, uh, Gelbacher, are you like a, a, a PBR type guy? Uh, I'll drink whatever is uh, free. Is 
put in front of me usually. Usually, usually. I'm not an IPA guy, but, you know, I'll drink a lot of stuff. Because, I mean, like, I, I kind of figured you were kind of like one of those PBR type, you know, the... the, the cheap... I have been known to drink PBR. I've also been known to drink... Uh, Is there French know. beer or something that you like? There was this, yeah, I had some stuff in France that was excellent. It, it's all, it was all lager based. It was, uh, I think, Cronenberg 1664 was excellent. So, whatever. Also, uh, if you're underage, don't drink beer. Uh, students that yeah, may be listening to stick this. To, stick to, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Students that may be listening to this. I'm trying to give, uh, give warnings well, to students, and I'm, I'm about to make a, <laughs> a Jack Daniels joke. I mean, well, I mean, let, let's, let, yeah. Let's be fair. I mean, PBR is not really beer either. So that's true. That's that's a hundred percent fair. All right. Uh, Hatfield, I think you're up for one. On November 25th, 1921, Hirohito became regent of Japan. Dear Lord, is it another Japan thing? It's always Japan with you. For the record, I didn't put this one together. Yeah, whatever. Um, You want to read the next one too? Jeez. But Hirohito, (laughs) for the the record... here we go. Hirohito, Strap in, everybody. The, you know, hey, well, you know what? You throw it out there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give some interesting information to it. You know, he's I mean, using quotations. As much as I would love to start singing random PT109 songs, <laughs> you know, some specific, you know, Hirohito, obviously being the uh, uh, the emperor of Japan during World War II. Um, he becomes regent because, uh, his father apparently was having some, uh, mental health issues and a regent is basically, I'm going to be kind of calling the shots in his name, um, until some sort of official power is swapped or, you know, or established. Um, but he is actually, mm-hmm. um, known, um, let me see his... The the era of his uh, he's Hirohito was his I guess his 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 name. The Japanese don't actually ever refer to them as emperor, like you know King you know Queen Elizabeth or something along those lines. Um, they just typically refer to them as Tenno, which means emperor. And he was given his and at the beginning of each imperial reign, they create a new era. So I think I we've just we just ended Heisei, and now I can't remember what the new era is that we're in, but um, his era was known as Showa, and um, he is now posthumously known in Japan as Emperor Showa. So hmm. he's not even considered to be even the name of Hirohito. It was um, so I, I'm going to be honest with you. If we're going to if we're going to talk about like Japanese leaders, I'd much rather talk about Toe Jam. Oh God. He's emperor, right? Emperor, was it Emperor Toe Jam or was it Admiral Toe Jam? Tojo? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's just throwing around a little mild racism there. That should be fine. Should be fine. <laughs> no, but... Uh, um, oh, oh, boy. But uh, there's a, a very good uh, biography about show. I'm actually going to be reading, um, now that I'm finally making my way through the um, Mexican-American War, uh, I'm going to start reading about uh, Hirohito's uh, father, essentially, who is uh, basically known as... Um, I believe it was, um, that was Meiji. 
Um, is that correct? Uh, Taisho Tano. Um, yes. No, Meiji was his grandfather. Excuse me. Um, you got me, Meiji. man. You got me. Yeah, Meiji. <laughs> Me, the Meiji Restoration, that's when we do the whole transition from a feudal society to a modernist society or, you know, using kind of, I guess, Western ideals. So Meiji was his actually grandfather, but I'm going to be reading about his life next because that's another fascinating period of, you know, Matthew C. Perry sailing into, you know, Edo Harbor and just that you guys need to open up and trade with us. And we have all these guns to show you how we mean that we want to be friendly. Hmm. And um, it kind of forces them to finally open up their doors. It's a very, it's a very fascinating part of history. That uh, the Last Samurai is kind of about, although they get the history wrong, but um, so it can appeal more to the American audience. Yeah, they're trying to say, and you know, you know, they're doing, you know, following this government thing here and this educational system, and of course, they're bringing in warriors from America. No, no, not in the 1870s. They weren't. <laughs> nope, we were nobody at that point. We we couldn't even get along with ourselves at that particular point. We were not a world right. power. They did That's they fair. did turn to us for uh, government and educational ideas, but uh, they turned to the French at first for military until um, that whole Franco Prussian thing. And then they're like, I think we've been looking at the wrong people. <laughs> and so then they start kind of turning more to the German, which of course. And leads them down that path. But anyway, so um, so Fun. yeah, so I, Japanese history is absolutely fascinating to me as well. So uh, and of course I can ramble on about that, but we need to land the plane. So let's go. <laughs> I think we ran out of fuel a little ways back there, but whatever, you know. Oh, here's another one about Japanese. Speaking of Japan, and we were November twenty sixth, nineteen forty one, the Japanese fleet departs the Kuril Islands en route to its attack on Pearl Harbor. Allegedly. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I still want to talk about an inside job. Wow. Roosevelt. Nice. I think yeah, I think Roosevelt actually had a bunch of planes that were painted mm. um, to mm-hmm. look like mm-hmm. uh, Japanese zeros. Okay, of my students that are listening to this, do not <laughs> listen to Jason Hatfield. Hey, you know, you look on Twitter. There's crazier things on there. I'm just You know what? I would rather out. look on Wikipedia. I know of at least one crazy thing that's on there. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, speaking of throwbacks. So, let me let me try and clarify real quick. The the ar- the, the man who's in charge of the army that still had cavalry or cavalry, I'm sorry. They were in charge of doctoring planes. Is that what you're saying? Huh? The, the I mean, we still had horses. We still had mounted horses in our army in Fort One, but they were doctoring up planes to look like uh, Japanese. Is that what you're saying? Well, they would have inflatable <laughs> tanks later in the war. That was <laughs> later in the war, though. But yes, that's true. <laughs> that's good. So, that's a good uh, point. It's it's three years later, and though. they were effective. Oh, what they didn't have balloons at that particular point? Come on, come on! <laughs> no, the Germans the were still uh, lighting them on fire and airfields. Yeah, the, I was going to say the French <laughs> had been like floating around in them for a while, so you can't tell me that we couldn't make like little inflatable tanks and trucks, which is a whole. They had a fascinating um, World War II thing on the History Channel yesterday. Which was, um, was it about the Ghost Army? 
Well, they talked about the uh, the feint that they did before they started the landings at um, on D Day. Yes, they were trying to make it seem like they were going to land in a different area, so they conducted yeah, they set by up the basically ghost, a ghost army. army to yes yeah. fool the. the so there's children. a documentary called The Ghost Army that you need to watch. It's really really good. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, with their general Casper. Yes, um, who was ousted pretty pretty early on because he was a friendly ghost. <laughs> no, he was not really. Um, Hey, Brian, I think you're up. So they put Ben in charge of it. Hey, Brian, I think you're up. I am. Was not a friendly ghost. No, anyway, very much not. Um, no, it's fine. Uh, November 24th, 1963, Jack Ruby fatally shoots the accused assassin of President Kennedy, Lee Allegedly. Harvey Oswald, in the, in the garage of the Dallas Police Department. Are you saying allegedly that Kennedy was shot or that Oswald was shot? Uh, that was an Oswald. That was a uh, okay. decoy. That was a, oh, that was a government. Another government patsy. It's a deep state. Is I deep can't state, tell you how deep, deep state, state goes. Yeah, it's um. <laughs> I see. I I hate that I have to make jokes about this kind of stuff because you know <laughs> have to want you, to or if, get to. If we uh, talk, yes. if I made yes. a whole like you know series just on making up nonsense about this kind of stuff i we'd probably have like so many people like going why isn't anyone looking in this you know it's like well because it's false it's well you yeah right exactly i mean we've we've kind of proven in our country over the last couple of weeks that you can pretty much get anybody to believe anything oh it's not just the last couple of weeks <laughs> <I don't believe> <laughs> good point <laughs> Good boy. Good point. Um, November 24th, 1971. A mysterious man wearing a suit, tie, and sunglasses boards Northwest Orient Flight 305. After takeoff, the man known as Dan Cooper, also uh, the founder of the cheese rolling, yeah. will declare <laughs> that he has a bomb on board the airplane and demand four parachutes and $200,000, which, of course, they happen to have on that plane at that particular moment. He would later <laughs> jump over the back of the 727, <laughs> landing somewhere in the wilderness, never to be found. Who is D.B. Cooper? The world will never know. Mm. May never mm. know. Mm. Who is D.B. Cooper? One, a two, a three, three. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> I think you're you're getting your marketing campaigns mixed up. No, no. no. <laughs> See, that's what they want you to think, Geldmacher. That's what they want okay. you to think. <laughs> Who is? I got. I have the answer. It's three. Why? <laughs> because Tootsie Roll pops. There. Done. Oh, perfect. I. That's perfect. I, I'm a Freemason. I'm wanting to let you know. <laughs> I, know I know this guy. I don't yeah, know it's how a little known about fact that D.B. Cooper actually requested $200,000, but he actually got $200,000 worth of Tootsie Pops. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a much heavier, much heavier briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Vas is this? <laughs> I think that was more of a, of a, like a foot locker. I think is he pushed out a foot locker. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What was he doing at a shoe store? <laughs> oh, right. Geez. Well, you know, because uh, Tootsie Roll Pops um, are the foundational yep. element of the soles of shoes. Ah, perfect. Makes That makes perfect sense. And that's why you needed four parachutes, because... 
It was a heavy. It was a heavy footlocker. It was heavy. I mean, right. two hundred thousand right. Tootsie Roll pops. I mean, that's yeah. What that else would you need four parachutes? Duh. I'm a I huge know. fan of this case, and you're just desecrating it. <laughs> you're making me feel bad. I need emotional support, Dave. You know. <sighs> History doesn't care about your feelings, Rude. That's I'm just quoting history. I'm just quoting history. That's right. Now, if he demands $200,000, I mean, did they go to the ATM machine that they had on the plane for the $200,000? Right, right, right. Are, are you yeah. asking seriously, or are you just making fun of me some more? No, I, I'm, I, I honestly, I do not know, apart from what you guys have said and some other random things. I don't really know a whole bunch about um, DB Cooper. Okay, Didn't they landed so, the plane, and yes, it was okay. They landed the plane. I forget exactly where they landed the plane. They land it, and unlike us, um, and offload, <laughs> offload, well offload passengers and crew, um, and then get these these things from directly from the FBI that he was demanding. Um, and then he tells him to take off and head on such and such a course and then, and not to basically not to stand around him. And then all of a sudden the, uh, the crew says they, they feel what they call a pressure bump. And basically what mm-hmm. happens is it's them feeling him going off the, the, the tail steps on a 727 mm. diving off into the night. So they landed and then they took back off with, after he'd gotten his money. Yes, right. and supplies. So I think it's p- important to to note that you never see D.B. Cooper or Amelia Earhart at the same time. Mmm. <laughs> mmm. Planes, disappearances. Now he's, now, now he's making fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> now he's making fun of you. <laughs> In now case you weren't sure, this officially is making fun. This, yeah, that's this right. is where the transition is taking place. <laughs> oh, dear if God. only I had Leonard Nimoy here to quote this, then that would be make it. That's also Jeez. a throwback, but it's not to anything that we've done in this podcast. It's just for old people <laughs> like me. Yeah, that's right. You are old. <laughs> and you have a Wikipedia uh, I, page. I do not dispute that. I do not dispute that. Oh boy. Oh boy. Whatever right. ha- hey, whatever more in us. Oh. Whatever happened. Do we have one more. What? No, I was going to say got, do we, we have got, one more? We actually have two more. I've got something I want to add. We've got a but bonus. Go we have a okay. bonus one. I there is a bonus one. Well, what we is have it? Two bonus. Well, it's uh I'll go first. Uh it's November 28th, 1861, and just for the record, I did not write this. Yeah, whatever. The Confederate Congress admits Missouri to the Confederacy, although Missouri has not yet seceded from the Union. I think you absolutely wrote that. Well, it's uh, not true. We can check the Google history if you'd like to uh, look at the version history and see who typed that in. I can do that right now. It's one of those little fun facts that, uh, as a teacher, I can can just pull it up right now and see who typed it in. That sounds like communism. Well, it's, it's very big only brother. To, uh, throw out the excuses. <laughs> what? It's only the very guilty that throw out those types of excuses. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so, um, this is actually uh, news that just broke today. Oh boy! As a matter of fact, um, this oh boy. is in Myrtle Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I think this is uh, this is a pretty big story. Um, a woman allegedly broke a glass cup over a man's head in Myrtle 
Capitol Beach because he didn't have dinner ready when she woke up. Hmm. Is that legit? Now, it's totally legit. Uh, Police responded to the 1100 block of North Oak Street Monday for reports of an assault, according to the police report. Can I? The victim told police. Can can I ask Hatfield? Yeah. Hatfield, what what are you you and your wife doing in North Carolina? Uh, We live we live here. No, I meant I meant South Carolina. What are you guys doing in South Carolina? See, if you're going to try and like take a swing at me, it's best not to fluff it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The victim told police that uh, Stacy Rose Zalea Chef was asleep. And when she woke up, she got mad at him because the dinner he was making wasn't finished yet. Um, so now my time period is off because I'm not sure. Was she just taking a nap during the day? <laughs> uh, why would you wake up then have dinner? Unless, I don't know, maybe you're working third shift? I don't know. I, I don't understand. Um, she allegedly started yelling at the victim and slapping him in the face. And when he tried, see, she sounds absolutely adorable. (laughs) And when he tried to walk away, she broke a glass cup over the back of his head, according to the police report. My guess is this glass cup probably was from some sort of um, special bonus that you could purchase at McDonald's. That's what my guess is about this particular glass cup. That's fair. That's fair. Um, you know, it's just a guess. Um, you know, it could be a beer stein from, you know, Poland or Germany, but chances are, I think it's, uh, there's some sort of McDonald's stamp somewhere on this glass. Um, (laughs) police say they observed a bleeding cut on the back of his head, along with some shattered glass on his neck and shirt. Zelaya chef is also accused of taking the victim's phone and throwing it on the floor, breaking the screen. Listen, this sounds, more like a, tame. this sounds more like a wad of, a week, wad of the week than a, this day in history. Uh, the victim told police know. after his phone got broken, he started walking to the police department for help. Um, so much for landlines anymore, I guess. <laughs> but got lost on the way, causing a delay in reporting. So he started walking to the police department and I guess didn't know where it was. Um, well... <laughs> So that's there you go. that's gonna be that's gonna be tough to go to some place that you don't know where it is. It's true. When it's police true. went to the incident location, Zelaya's chef answered the door and appeared intoxicated. Uh, this is my surprise look. <laughs> According to the police report, she claimed she didn't know what officers were talking about when she was asked about the incident. Um, she was arrested and charged with third-degree domestic violence. According to the police report, Zelaya Chef had no prior convic- convictions for domestic violence. So, obviously, uh, it was false. Uh, the guy made up the story because uh, she apparently is somewhat lazy, very hungry, but <laughs> an exceptional housekeeper. <laughs> so, um, Oh, boy. So, yeah, so oh, I just stumbled across that. I thought I'd, you know, share that. Welcome to 2020, ladies and gentlemen. Well, if he had just had dinner ready. Wonder what the dinner was. <laughs> any any bets on Hamburger Helper or are we... Tombstone, tombstones? Tombstone Tombstone Pizza? Oh, okay. Tombstone Jerky. 
it could be well jerky's already that's, you know it's more of an appetizer. preparing it you're not you know right well that's true so and i was thinking tombstone or, pizzas you know or maybe that's he was classy, making pastries tombstone. and was not quite you know finished with that you know <laughs> and she's like where is my food and he's like honey i am so sorry the pastries are not yet crunchy. I don't know. I just figured. Why, why do they have French accents? Well, because it's pastries. There's obviously a Michelin uh, star sh- chef. I don't, um, I don't know. I, in Myrtle so Beach. <laughs> I'm just going on and on, really making ridiculous stuff right now. And you guys give me crap. Because we had a great discussion that didn't get recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Set and match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thank you all for tuning in this week. Yes. And have a fantastic Turkey Day, even though Turkey was not on the menu for the very first Thanksgiving. Chances uh, are it's probably more shellfish and deer. That's pretty um, shellfish. Which sounds fantastic, actually. I would be fine with that for my dinner on Thursday as well. <laughs> a little bit of oyster, a little bit of venison. A lot of Mrs. Sounds, Smith. Sounds lovely. Sounds lovely. Yeah. And uh, let's make sure those dinners are ready before your um, significant <laughs> other wakes up on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so for the history bros, I'm Jason <laughs> Rude. That's Brian Hatfield, Geldmacher, no. whoever no. he is. <laughs> And I think the moral to this story is always know where the police department is just in case you need to walk there. Right. <laughs> I can see it right now. In fact, there's a police car parked right there. We, you know, Hatfield, we have a police oh, station boy. in, in, oh, in Northampton. Um, it's probably more of like a, you know, like a phone booth, kind of like a, you know, is it like the, never mind. It's no, it's like you know. an old fire station. It's got four doors and everything. Wow, just like, I mean, I want to. Is it like that one house? that's in. Uh, was it? Was it in St. Missouri? That had the yeah. The Dale. That we yeah, looked at the Missouri. old house that was the sheriff's. Yeah. That was also yes. had the, uh, the old the old county courthouse. Yes. That was up for sale. We yeah. also have one of those in our town too. Well, a, a lot of towns have jails. I don't know if you. No, the, the old jailer's house. My we we have one of those. Oh. That's pretty I mean, common. Most, in the again, most towns do have right. jails. Well, place. county seats at least. <laughs> so for the History Bros, my name is Jason. DVD. What? He was trying. <laughs> I've tried twice now, and... I'm, I'm officially muting my mic. Go ahead. For the History Bros, my name is Jason Rude. I'm joined by Jason Hatfield and Brian Geldmacher, and this is the ridiculous known as the History Bros. Have a good one, everybody. We'll see you later. Thanks for tuning in. If it wasn't for you guys, we'd just be talking to ourselves. See ya. Peace out. Deuces!